Two weeks ago, we had the opportunity to take 18 of our students, five of our adults, to Utah, Alabama, to run a vacation Bible school in the morning uh, and then spend the afternoon. Originally, we were going to be doing some work projects, but as it turned out, if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know sometimes you just have to be flexible um, because not everything pans out the way that you had anticipated it to be. And so we spent the remainders of our afternoons just loving on kids. And we had a goal, a goal to share the gospel as much as we could two weeks ago. Um, as a youth pastor, we showed up and we were the largest group there. It's somewhat intimidating when you're the largest group because all eyes are on you and you got to make sure that your kids are hopefully behaving and doing well. And, and I want to say this, as a church, you should be extremely proud. Our students represented the church, but more importantly, they represented Jesus Christ in an amazing way in Utah, Alabama. And I'm extremely proud of them. We've put together a small little deal for you guys this morning. I've asked several of our students to just share what God taught them that week on the mission field. One of the greatest things for me and my wife is to be a part of a church that believes in missions, that supports missions, that supports a youth ministry to give our students an opportunity to go onto the mission field. Sometimes here, locally, we don't ever want to take that for granted. Um, we're blessed. Grace Baptist Church, it is awesome to be part of missions. And so we've asked several of our students to share. We've put together a short clip. I'd like you to watch this. Just some pictures of our trip. Couldn't put them all because we don't have all day. Uh, we took tons of pictures. You can start it, but take a look at this little clip. Hey, we've asked several of our students to come. I'm going to ask them if they'll come up on stage and share what God did uh, that week in their life. It was a really good trip. It was a blessing to go on it. Learned a lot. One key thing that I remember oh, that I'll keep in mind is once when you give one kid a piggyback ride, every other kid wants one. Honestly, it's just crazy. But this trip really was a blessing to go on. I mean, one thing that I really learned that God really laid on my heart is that you can't really judge someone from where they're coming from. Because, I mean, I was going in there, I thought these kids wouldn't really know anything about the Bible or anything, but when, like, like Aaron, Aaron Allen built these uh, wordless uh, notebook, or wordless Bible and, like, the colors, and, like, when you would ask the kids, like, they, most of them knew what the colors were, and it was just, like, surprising how much they uh, knew already. It was just a really blessing. That's all I had to share. What God taught me in Alabama is even though it was amazing going somewhere different, we can also do the same thing here. I love playing and sharing my testimony with the kids. We don't have to go to, out of the country to share the love of Christ with others. The days I share my testimony got easier and easier every day. Last year in Nicaragua, it was harder because of the language barrier, but this year I got to have a relationship with the kids. As much as I loved Nicaragua last year, Having an impact on the kids in Alabama was just as rewarding. Thank you for all of your support. God taught me during our week in Alabama that we can do things to help out other people in our area. We don't have to go on a mission trip to show just little acts of kindness, whether we're picking up trash or opening up a door. As believers in Christ, our light will shine in the little things. Every day while we were there, Luke gave us a challenge. The challenge one day was to tell at least two kids about Jesus using the bracelets Aaron made us. It wasn't very easy the first time, but after telling a few kids about Jesus, it started getting easier. 
I will never forget this mission trip. The day before, the day before Thursday, Luke had introduced a really way, cool way to introduce the gospel. Using a piece of candy, you would give it to the kid as a free gift, absolutely free, and then introduce it, and then introduce God and be like, God gave us an even greater gift that is also free. I did this on the last day, and a few of the kids just ignored me as they ate their Twix bars and Kit Kats and stuff. But the candy of uh, the candy eventually worked. Actually, God worked through God, through me. God allowed me to talk to a little boy named Sean, who was seven years old. Seven years old. We talked for about twenty-five minutes, and after some questions and me sharing my own testi- testimony with him, he got saved. It was the first time I led someone to Christ. I will never forget that moment, and it will be really cool when I'm in heaven and Sean comes up and says, "Remember me." I really think. That God has taught me that even though it's hard to get out of your comfort zone, when we do things, he can use us to do amazing things. Well, that was cool. Um, The same, God's taught me through this mission trip so many different things. um, But definitely the most important thing that God has taught me uh, is just the faithfulness of God. I don't want to harp on anything Luke said because I know Luke talked about this with the youth but as you just saw god was so faithful through this trip uh when we first got there um things uh, you know i remember talking to luke things didn't really look so good necessarily um just a lot of little minor things we kind of went on the trip already not very prepared not very um and didn't, didn't really anyways feel that we were prepared to go on the trip in certain aspects of what we were going to do, didn't know exactly how we were going to do certain things. And when we got there, that kind of like multiplied. Uh, the things that we thought we were prepared for, we weren't even, pre- we weren't even really prepared for those things. Um, in regards to the VBS, we ran a VBS here and we had brought stuff with us. We didn't know how that was going to run, how that was going to work. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to be outside with that or inside or whatever. Uh, and then a bunch of other little things, um, you know, like we said, with the churches and different things that were there. We just had to work through a lot of different things. And I remember me and Luke kind of looking at each other and exchanging a few words like, is this going to end up just kind of being more of a bear for our kids than an actual benefit for them? Um, and, you know, how is God going to be able to work through, th- through some of these kind of obstacles that were presenting themselves? And, I mean, as you just saw, God is faithful anyway no matter what the obstacles seemed. And it was awesome. Our kids were so flexible and so uh, just willing to do whatever came, whatever came up. We would be asked to do things last minute. They were more than willing, never complained, never did anything um, other than just do what they were told. And I remember one day we were told that we were just going to have to leave like in, within that hour and go run a VBS at another church or at another community center that we hadn't even been to yet. We're just going to pick up and go and do what you can. We didn't end up actually doing it, but I remember um, just thinking, you know, in, in myself, I was thinking, geez, this is going to be tough. But the kids were like, no, this is, we've got it. We're going to go do this. They were, they were just on fire um, for what God was having, you know, them there to do, uh, which was so cool. And then as you just heard, I mean, we have 6th, 7th, 8th, you know, through 12th grade pulling one, two, three kids aside and sharing the gospel with them, whether through these bracelets going through them and stuff and it was just so cool to see how god can be faithful uh no matter what situations even if they seem hard even if they seem like you know how can he work in the situation he is so faithful even in those situations so you know 
This trip was set up by SCORE International, and it's the eighth year that SCORE has gone to Utah, Alabama. Uh, we had about 80 people. As they said, ours was the largest uh, group, but there were other people that were there doing uh, we had some people doing maintenance. We had some adults that were just doing construction or helping. We had uh, people running a finance class, people teaching a sewing class. But in every aspect of the trip, it was sharing the gospel. Uh, I wanted to uh, – I'll, I'll let you know, you know, I was there to run a basketball camp would have loved to have ridden with the with the team on the bus, but Luke said there was no room, so I had to fly up there. Uh, just one thing about the group that, that they worked with, uh, there were 128 homes uh, in this community where the recreation center was that you saw so many pictures of. This is what John Zeller told me, facts about the community. On the 128 homes... They had about close, not quite, but close to 700 children that lived in those homes. Out of those 128 homes, there were two that had a married father and mother living in the homes. There were a number of adults that lived there. There were men, there were women, but two had a, a, a married father and mother. So that's the community that they were working with, and uh, there you go. So anyway... You say, what were you doing there? Well, John Zeller asked me to come, and, and uh, this is the first year that we had a basketball camp. In the past, they've run a football camp. We tried to want, run one this year, but kids didn't really show up. So I worked in the high school gym uh, with the high school basketball coach who came to know the Lord two years ago through this trip, and uh, he was led to the Lord by uh, the guy that runs baseball country where the where the kids stayed. And so I worked with the coach, and we really, I went there expecting like 60 kids in the high school to come. Only 24 showed up, and I'm like, you know, what's going on? This is, you know, a lot of kids in the county here or in the area that would come. But we realized that uh, the kids don't go to bed till like 3, 4, 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. That's just the culture. And so, you know, the kids that came, it was great that they came. So I worked with about 24 kids in the high school, and there were other men that were working with me, men from Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. We had really good uh, people working with us in basketball. Then we worked with the, uh, the kids in the junior high in the gym that you saw a picture of, but I was working in the morning in the, in the high school gym. Uh, Here's what I can say about working at basketball camp. These boys, this is, this is a public high school, and, and I didn't hear one curse word the whole week. I didn't have to, not me and not any of the other basketball camp workers had to speak with any of the kids that came to camp, like, you know, hey, quit fooling around over there or whatever. I was amazed by the leadership of the coaching staff. Uh, the coach had gone to that high school. He went to Alabama on a, uh, as a walk-on and came back and coached in that high school. And, and the coaching staff loves those kids. They're trying to do what they can. Every single morning, uh, I was able to share the gospel with, with the group. And then in the afternoon with the junior high group, they had about 20, 24 in that group as well. And as I was speaking, they could not have paid attention any better. They just sat there, listened to every word. 
And what more can you ask than to be able to share the gospel with people and, and them listen? We were able to pass out some great tracks that Mike Jarvis, the coach at FAU, many of you men know because he's spoken at our uh, men's group before. But uh, I, I don't know. I know of a few that received Christ as their Savior. I don't know how many, but God knows. But it was great just working with these kids. Uh, I'm planning on going back, Lord willing, next year. We're going to change the time of our high school camp. I talked with the coach this week. Maybe we'll run it at 1 o'clock, or maybe we'll do what uh, my son Nathan said, hey, have midnight basketball, you know, and we might do that. But uh, it, was a, it was a great trip. I was talking with John Zeller the last day, and he said, you know, your, your youth group and your youth director, they're, they're just the best that we've ever worked with, the best. And his, his quote was about Luke, that he gets it. And not only does he get it, but the whole youth group does. They get it. And what he means by that is they get that it's not about them. It's about serving. And I was so proud of our group. They were awesome. They did a great job, and everybody noticed their heart, their attitude, and it was a tremendous trip. So... Uh, we just got a great youth group, the leaders, the kids, all of them. Here's what I, I just want to share one thing, and then I'll turn it over. Um, I want to put a picture up. I, I know you saw it, but I want to put a picture up to see if you can catch it. No, it's not Dakota, although I love him. You see the two in the background? You know what they're doing? They're sharing the gospel. I challenged our kids, as you heard, to, to share the gospel as many times as they could. I want to thank Erin Allen. She made these little bracelets that you heard about. They were the wordless book in the bracelet form. And, of course, every kid was like, let me have your bracelet. Let me have your bracelet. And it was perfect. Well, I'll give you my bracelet, but let me tell you about it. You see, the black represents our sin. Red represents the blood of Jesus Christ. It was just great. So Aaron, thank you for that. But we shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was our goal. That was our intent. How do we bring it home to South Florida? And how do we translate it into Grace Baptist Church? If you have a copy of God's Word, real quickly, Luke chapter 5. I promise I'll be really fast. I know that's hard for me to keep because I'm normally long-winded like pastor. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> he said, not as sorry as you're going to be. God's faithfulness. You heard of some stories I'd like to share with you too, real quickly. Maybe just one. God taught me on this trip. The director of our students, pastor of students at Grace Baptist Church, chaplain of Highlands Christian Academy. God taught me. How to continue to trust God. Listen, even in the small things. We got up there. Where we were staying is called Baseball Country. It's about 45 minutes away from where we were ministering in Utah, Alabama. We drove the school bus. Next year, coach is more than welcome to drive with us and sit beside me. Because 20 hours in a bus is a killer. If I never see that bus again, I'll be okay. But we drove, and it's about 45 minutes, and I, I'm not used to it. I'm from South Florida. 45 minutes, no big deal. But in a bus, 
I thought leaving Utah, Alabama, driving to baseball country 45 minutes away, that a quarter tank of gas would be plenty. I was wrong. We're driving a diesel bus, and if you know anything about diesels, that if you run out, you pretty much have to rebuild the engine, get the air out of them inside and out. It's terrible. We've got about 12 miles to go, and the light is dinging. It's saying you need gas on the dash like it's bad. And I've already been driving for about 10, 15 minutes. It's not good. You know what I asked? We got, we, praise the Lord, we made it to baseball country. I don't know how, but we did. I coasted down every hill I could, and we got there. But this is what I said, guys, as our team together said, I listen, we need, all honesty, no joking aside, I need you to pray that God will get us to a gas station tomorrow. The closest gas station was 13.2 miles. The closest. And it's not 13.2 like our 13.2 flat. It's 13.2 up and down hills. I went to Kenny, who's the runner of, owner of baseball country, I said, Kenny, is there any way you have any diesel gas? And he said, Luke, here's the deal. I was not supposed to have any. He goes, I have four gallons of diesel. I poured that four gallons into our bus and we got to a gas station. I learned to trust God in the small things because God is always faithful. Always. When we are faithless, God is faithful. So this morning, really, really quickly, here's what I want to show you. Uh, a Phil, if you'll keep her, whoever's, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out, that's what we need to be about. Whatever it takes. Luke's gospel, chapter 5, is where we'll start. But let me ask you this. For $10 million, what would you do? $10 million, what would you do? In the book, The Day America Told the Truth, James Patterson and Peter Kim revealed some shocking statistics on how far people in this country would be willing to go for $10 million. Watch this. 25% would abandon their families. For $10 million, 25% of Americans would abandon their families. 25% would abandon their church. They would just pick up and leave. Hey, $10 million, I'm in, I'm gone, see ya. 23% would become prostitutes for one week or more. They would sell their self for $10 million. Watch. 16% would give up their American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouse. I won't ask how many in here. 10% would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% would kill a stranger. But watch this. 3% would sell their own kids for adoption or give up their kids for adoption for $10 million. What would you do? What would you do for $10 million? Here's what I know. Probably none of us in this room would know what we'd really do. The opportunity for $10 million to come our way is very few and far between. But would you be willing to fudge a little on your income tax? Would you be willing to uh, tell a little lie and not the whole truth to your insurance company? Think about it. For $10 million. 
Let's take money out of the equation real quick. And what would you do to find the cure for cancer? What would you do to find world peace? What would you do to end hunger? But the greatest question is this. What would you do to give the gospel of Jesus Christ out to one person? What would you do? Luke's gospel, the fifth chapter, I'm going to read it fast. Mine's a little different. I forgot my New King James. I'm sorry. It's out of ESV, so bear with me. Ready? Chapter 5, verse 17. On one of those days, one of those days, it's the days, just like every other, that Jesus is being pressed by crowds. He's being uh, bombarded with people, pressing in on him, wanting to be healed. If you read in verse 15, just a couple of verses before, it's that case. People are coming to him from all over the place, wanting to be healed. And Jesus does something. He just has to get away and escape to be by himself so that he can what? So that he can pray. Goes by himself. But verse 17, one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Here's the deal. Jesus has a crowd. It's a crowd just like every other crowd that has come to hear him. But here's the difference. This time, there's some Pharisees. There's some teachers of the law. Who are they? The Pharisees? Well, they're the ones that know the law. They're the ones that understand the law. They're the ones that are supposedly, as their name says, set apart from the rest of the world. Right? They're there for one reason. And it's not to learn from Jesus. They're there to catch him. To see if he messes up if he makes a mistake and behold some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before jesus but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before jesus and when they saw i'm sorry when he saw their faith he said man your sins are forgiven you And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you? Or say, Rise and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Watch. I'm really, really quick. I'm sorry, Pastor. Hear me. These teachers, these Pharisees, they had come to catch Jesus in the midst of maybe making a mistake. It's kind of like people who go to NASCAR. You know what I mean? They don't really go to watch the race. They go to to have fun, to party, to maybe see a couple of crashes. But they don't really go to watch the race. Who can watch 500 miles? I'm not trying to offend anybody. But hear me. Sometimes that mentality creeps into the church. You know what? I've been a Christian a really long time. And you come in these doors or you come to an event that we do and you know what you do? You end up nitpicking. Let me see what pastor's going to say today. Man, if he says something, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to email him about it. And you miss the entire message because you hold on to one little thing. And you miss the grace of God. These men, they're there waiting to just catch one thing. And Jesus does something. He heals this man, right? And he says to him, hey, listen, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, wait a minute. That's not, 
that you can't do that. They get hung up on this. Do you know why they were hung up on it? Because they were missing who Jesus was. That He is the Father. John chapter 10 verse 31. I and the Father are one. John 14 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is showing them that He is God. But watch this. There's four guys that bring a lame man to Jesus. And you know what? They do whatever it takes. They bring him. It's crowded. There's no way to get through the door. The windows are packed with people. It's jam-packed. So you know what they do? Strike one. They've struck out. They can't get through the door. They go up on the roof, which is not uncommon in those days. Strike two. There's no way to get through the roof. So you know what they do? They start digging a hole just so they can get their friend to Jesus. You see, to them, the most important thing was bringing their friend to Jesus. What about you? What's the most important thing in your life outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, that's got to be first. Your relationship with with Him, it's got to be right. But outside of that... Is your top priority bringing people to Jesus Christ? Thursday, we're there in Utah. And my wife comes up to me. And she says, Luke, did you hear about Caleb? And I thought, oh man, something's wrong. And I was like, what? All of a sudden, here comes little Caleb Andreessen around the corner. And he's bawling. And he says, Pastor Luke, the candy worked. I got to share Jesus with a little boy. And he prayed to receive Christ. And he said, someday I'll get to see him in heaven. Listen to me. It's got to be our top priority. Taking Jesus to people. At what extent will you go for people to hear about Jesus? I I have all these points. I'm going to skip to the very last one. Hear me. Watch this. Would you be willing to risk a lawsuit for digging through somebody's roof to bring somebody to Jesus? Would you be willing to pay $1,000 For somebody to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe $5,000. Would you be willing to give up your home. So somebody could hear the name of Jesus Christ. What would you be willing to do? Would you be willing to spend a year in prison. For somebody to hear the name of Jesus Christ. You're like Luke that's pretty heavy. That's what the early church did. It's what the early church did. It's what Christians all over this world today are doing. Pastors who are being imprisoned because they're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But yet here in America, we sit in our beautiful buildings and we say, I came to church. Listen, it's time to take the church to the people. It's time to present Jesus Christ to our own communities around us. Would you be willing, listen, to give a five minutes of your break? And share Jesus with somebody at your work? Would you be willing to give up your lunch break and read your Bible so somebody might see you in your relationship with God? Would you be willing to open your home for our small groups and invite some neighbors to sit in your home and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? What are you willing to do? These four guys, we don't know how far they came. They could have been right next door. But they climbed a roof. They dug a hole. They lowered their friend to Jesus so he could meet the creator of heaven and earth. What about you? What are you willing to do to see the gospel of Jesus Christ taken to our communities? Hear me. At the end, pastor read it in Mark's gospel. In the end, do you know what it says? 
It says all that were there, what? Glorified God. They got it. They saw the evidence. They saw the power of God raise this man up and begin to walk. They realized that Jesus didn't just meet his physical need, but he met his spiritual need. They get it and they now give glory to the Lord. Hear me. Some of you have friends and they need to see the evidence and the power of God manifested in your life so that they can turn and know Jesus. Man, our church, I challenge you. I was so proud of our students. If you could have seen it, and I wish I would have done it, we're in this gym, and if you just look in the bleachers over here, and the bleachers over there, and and these over here, and on the wall and the floor back there, you would just see our kids take a kid and sit down and begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Man, what if we as a church said, you know what, I'm going to try to reach one of my coworkers. I'm going to try to reach one of my neighbors to come to a small group. I'm just going to try to reach one of my family members. One a year. One a year. Would we not grow the body of Christ and see amazing things happen? I challenge you, church. Do whatever it takes to get the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then I'll turn it over to Pastor. Lord, I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for his atoning sacrifice for me in my life. And I I praise you, God, that you're a God that, that loves me and that your grace abounds. Lord, I'm thankful for Grace Baptist Church, for the heart for missions. But Lord, may we not just have a heart to support missions. Lord, may we be people of mission. Lord, may we go out. May we present the gospel. May we take it to our coworkers, our family members. Lord, our students. Lord, use us as a beacon of light for you and for your glory. It's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen.